Hey everybody, I'm Steve Discourse, and this is White Savior Complex. So I had another episode that I was ready to publish this week, and I was working on it right before news broke about the shooting of Jacob Blake. And there's so much to this story that I said, you know, let me let this week play out. Let me see what, what information arises. Let me see what actions get taken, what questions folks have, what the conversations look like before I dive into it. And I was going to publish that other episode, but some inspiration did strike me. And um, I had some thoughts that seemed important and worthwhile to, to get out right now. And they're not immediately pertaining to this shooting, but it's inspired in part by the events of this week. And so I wanted to jump into those thoughts. It was really my own uncertainty, my own confusion. And it was my confusion about my reaction to the my reaction to the murderer, the 17-year-old murderer, Kyle Rittenhouse. I've been trying to grapple with the increased tension and the violence of this past year so far. And the stark and brutal violence committed by Kyle Rittenhouse really just intensified my confusion. Because what do we call this development? What do we call these events? Do we call it progress? That word doesn't feel right. But what other word do we use to describe this turn of events? Is it closer to the opposite of progress? The killing and maiming of black people and other people of color has been happening since our last round of national upheaval over white supremacy. And white people collectively didn't care. We haven't cared. You know, it's like Dave Chappelle said in his Killing Them Softly stand-up special. That we didn't really care, even though black people were telling us about it. We didn't care until it was written about in Newsweek. But then, once that article is gone, we just don't care again. Serious conversations about white supremacy didn't happen publicly until recently, and trust me, I've been observing and calling this out since high school. That was at around the year 2000. These conversations did not happen. Even as I observed white classmates using racist language. Or even as I observed white classmates generally holding contempt looking down their nose, condescension toward our black classmates 
or when some of them refuse to read the autobiography of Malcolm X. I mean, the list goes on. And at that age, I was prepared in some degree to confront those situations. And other times I wasn't. But these things were not lost on me. The way white teachers in our high school often viewed or treated the black students from the black town because it was a regional high school, meaning there were students from three different towns. And even me, coming from the quote-unquote black school, there were times when I was treated differently than my white counterparts who I was in classes with. Because as a white student from that black school, I got tracked into college prep classes along with my white counterparts from the other towns because that's how the educational system works in this country. I was tracked up even though my grades weren't great. And my black classmates from elementary school were tracked down even when their grades were comparable to mine. So the list goes on of the ways that I've observed since high school. This racism, casual or explicit or whatever. I've seen it. And it flies under the radar. I've seen people who adopted black culture and style in high school become adults and revert back to their natural cultural states, if you will, subscribing to the same old tired racist views about black people. We ignored or hid all of this white supremacy until very recently. We called it by other euphemistic names. We apologized for it. We thought it to be minor. We justified it. We called it difference of opinion. We held views contradictory to our racism and believed ourselves to be righteous We did everything but try to purge this poison from our minds. We certainly didn't care or take notice when it popped out of the mouths or manifested in the actions of others around us. And maybe we chuckled nervously or shoveled our feet, anxiously avoiding the taboo that's right in front of us. And now, in the year 2020, unbelievably, Just imaginatively, emotionally, my my visceral reaction. I cannot believe that people are in the streets in 2020 with weapons, assault rifles, weapons of war, killing other people in the name of the racism they've adhered to so vigilantly, so tightly that they can't hear its criticism without hearing a criticism of their very own identity. Their most pure and personal image of themselves feels under attack when violence against black people is resisted, is critiqued, is confronted, is condemned. So we've gone from silence and avoidance to outright armed confrontation. Confrontation probably isn't the right word. Kyle Rittenhouse was hunting. He came from another state. 
looking for this confrontation, looking to assert his dominance over others. So here we are. This death and destruction isn't desirable, and we, it's not to be celebrated, of course. But what do we call this development of events from silence to armed confrontation, if, if not progress? I'm not arguing that we should call it that. That's not a rhetorical tool to say, if we don't call it this, then what do we call it? I, I don't know. So I'm literally asking, because it's hard to call that progress. But what do we call it? How do we feel about it? How do we react? Do, do we cower from it? Do we prepare for the possibility of confronting it or it confronting us? Do we mourn this development as a step backward? Or do we feel relief that the lines are becoming so clearly drawn that there's no more hiding in some neutral gray area? But to say we might feel relief that the lines are so clearly drawn, is that just a manifestation of our privilege? Is it trivializing the very real fear and, and tension and pain that black people are going through right now? I don't think we can use the word relief either. There's no clear answer here. And these are just prompts. These are my ideas, my angles, my musings that I'm exploring, that I'm considering. What is important, what is most important is that we ask this question. As white people in these times, are our reactions centering our own fears, anxieties, and desire for comfort and security? Is our comfort from our homes as audiences to the cable and social media news feeds, is that more important than the very real and urgent threat against our black neighbors, co-workers, casual acquaintances, in some cases even family members? Do we see the protesting, the demonstrations? Do we see that professional athletes are boycotting their jobs? Do we see the speeches from politicians? Are we taking this all in and turning a deaf ear to it because what? Do we think we know better than other people do about their own lived experiences? Or do we think the stories they're telling are about us and so we shut down? What are we doing? Be honest. Honestly confronting these questions is going to take more than right here in your head as I'm still talking. This is going to take time. It's going to take reflection, maybe some silence. It's going to take keeping these questions in our heads the next time the news is on, the next time we read something, the next time we see our own communities. That's what being honest is going to look like. Because, like it or not, the distance separating us and Kyle Rittenhouse isn't as wide as we like to tell ourselves. And whatever that distance is, it still doesn't place us as closely to the side of justice as we want to believe it does. 
the only way to meaningfully, to truly, to significantly distinguish ourselves from the Kyle Rittenhouses of the world is action in opposition to anyone remotely behaving like Kyle Rittenhouse or sympathizing with his actions or understanding them or contextualizing them. At this point, the only thing that matters is active opposition. So be honest. Where are we standing? All right. And uh, as always, thanks for coming with me on this journey. Thank you for coming with me to confront these ideas, to confront these things within ourselves and uh, sitting in that discomfort and and growing from there. Uh, I really appreciate you listening and tuning in and doing this work. So if you have any feedback, if you have any questions, if you have any, any resistance you faced, any arguments that people put in front of you in these conversations, uh, anything on your mind that you want, to bounce off of me or to, to hear discussed on the podcast, always don't hesitate to reach out. You can email me contact at newdealmedia.com. That's new with a K contact at newdealmedia.com. And, um, you can tweet me at Steve discourse. If you have the time, it would mean a lot to me. Please write a review for the podcast. It can just be great with a thumbs up emoji, you know, um, rate the podcast if you haven't subscribed, make sure you subscribe. And um, all of this helps get more visibility for the podcast so that other people come across it. And, um, you know, maybe people who aren't quite ready for these conversations come across it because you all helped me spread that word. And maybe they hear something that resonates with them and something clicks. And uh, we keep spreading this 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 work and this message out there. So thanks again. And uh, with that said, I'm Steve Discourse. And this is White Savior Complex.